0: Emilio, the Honey Badger, Yo, 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 ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Honey Badger Hour. This episode of the Honey Badger Hour podcast is brought to you by the original Clippers Barbershop. Yo, 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 ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Honey Badger Hour, back from our little hiatus. It's just me today, boys. Welcome back, guys like, and subscribe. It's good to be here, back in studio, in the podcast. We're in the 305. Welcome to UFC 290 Las Vegas recap. As you guys see, we was on the road for a little bit. We took the podcast, we took our talents to Las Vegas, and we met up with the boys after a very successful weekend. We got to watch Alexander, the great Volkanovsky, prove to the world once again why he is the pound for pound number 1 ranked fighter in the UFC and the most gifted and well-rounded champion that we have pound for pound in the UFC today good to be back guys woo make sure to like and subscribe in the little button right here below if you want to support the channel all right guys make sure to check out our website honeybadgerlifestyle.com shout out to the boys in Bangkok, Muay Thai, and MMA for the fresh fit. Rocking my bank towel shirt that I got from the Jew. Much love, my brother. Oh, man. What did you guys think? I hope you guys enjoyed last week's episodes. We had, uh, we had a UFC exclusive with our boy, Alexander Volkanovsky, for the fourth time on the podcast. So if you guys haven't checked that one out yet, make sure to subscribe and tune in on the last week's episodes. And then shout out... To our boy, Dan Hooker, making a comeback on the scene, breaking the top ten with his super suspect. In my, in my opinion, it was definitely a unanimous decision, but Dan Hooker came through with the big win, fight of the night, just to scratch. Shout out to Dan Hangman Hooker, earned through blood, sweat, and tears. I don't know if you guys heard the podcast last week. With Dan Hooker on episode 90. We had another fight week exclusive with the hangman. And I'm telling you right now guys. I don't know if it was me. But just from his just from his energy alone. He felt different this fight week. You know he was in a good place all week long. And what a fight was that. Oh my god. Jalen Turner. It's crazy that. It's crazy that Dan Hooker is 155 pounds. Six foot. And he was still the smaller guy in this last bout. Against Jalen Turner. Jalen Turner, who's an absolutely massive lightweight for the division. 6'3", crazy reach. And on top of everything, being already 6'3", and being massive for the weight class, he missed weight by three pounds. So it was great to see our boy Dan Hooker dig deep. Took a couple big shots in the beginning, weathered the storm, and showed the world why he is one of the most exciting toughest and roughest and baddest dudes in the ufc lightweight division oh man what a week it has been guys i'm still recovering from vegas i'm not gonna lie i left a piece of my soul out there you know you're in a messed up place when the water is more expensive than the alcohol in las vegas all right that shit is crazy so it's good to be back guys UFC 90, man, what a fight card. What a way to top off International Fight Week. We got to see the man, Robbie Lawler, okay, finish his career, end a story career, former UFC welterweight king, retiring on top with a 25-second knockout over Nico Price, a guy that I know... From the local scene here in Miami when I first started training in Florida. Uh, Robbie Lawler announces that his last fight is going to be his last fight of his career. Wants to go out with a win. And he ends up getting the knockout from the dirty boxing. And he got that knockout so fast. Can you imagine the career Robbie Lawler had? Oh my gosh. Started from the very beginning. Making his redemption from the Nick Diaz knockout. Finishing his career like that. I wish wish guy guy nothing but the best. An absolute warrior. In my heart, he has been in some of the best fights in UFC history. So, shout out to Robbie Lawler. Nothing but love on his new career. It's exciting to see what's next for Robbie Lawler, man. So, yo, starting off the main card of the fight night. We had Bo Nickel versus Val Woodburn. Val, Bird, Val Woodburn was the biggest underdog in UFC betting history. So, if you had some money on Val Woodburn just in case but let me tell you there might have be there might have been a reason why he was the biggest underdog in UFC history cuz Bo Nickel made quick work of his late replacement opponent. Bo Nickel had had like two place two he had like two people pull out of his fight on fight week in the PI, he was told that his opponent pulled out recently and Val Woodburn came in on I want to say like two or three days' notice, definitely less than a week's notice, took the fight. So big ups to Val Woodburn. Saw that he's from uh, Miami. He's from the Florida scene also. So he steps up in the first, night of, the first fight of the night against Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel ends up taking him out within the first two or three punches. Crazy knockout to start off tonight. So you know the UFC was going to be crazy when the fight starts off with like a 10-second knockout right away, coming off of the Robbie Lawler knockout. So the night was just full of action. And then for the second fight of the night, we had our boy, Dan, the hangman Hooker, coming out versus Jalen Turner. Bro, what was crazy was, Dan was also a really huge underdog in this fight. I think he was a two-to-one underdog, which is crazy for Dan Hooker having over 20 fights in the UFC. But not to take anything away from his opponent, his opponent had been on a crazy tear recently and also been on a tear of all the Australian and New Zealand fighters. He had beat... Josh Kuliba, he had beat uh, Jamie Malarkey, he also defeated my boy Brad Riddell last year, and he had a really close loss to Gamrat, which a lot of people thought he won, so. Dan Hooker had a big fight in his hands, and like I was saying before, man, his energy was just different this week. His fight week energy, he just was in a different place. You can tell that he had put everything into this camp, and you can tell from his performance, man. He had to weather the storm early. It's crazy because you could see that in the beginning of the first round, like he was trying to find his rhythm. Dan did a good job just working his low kicks, working teeps to the body. He kept just trying to break down Jalen Turner, break him down, break him down. But he was getting caught in the beginning because this guy is 6'3". So imagine in the beginning of the first round, he kept getting hit. I saw every time Dan tried to commit and come inside, he kept getting tagged up a little bit by Jalen Turner, you know. So props to Jalen Turner doing a good job, keeping the pressure, staying long, hitting him with nice kicks, Ended up wrapping a kick right around Dan's head. Boom! in the first round. But honestly, that was like, kind of like what woke Dan up. Because after that, Dan caught the head kick. Boom! And uh, man, so tough. Such a beast, bro. He just took it, you know, bit down his mouthpiece and found a way to keep going. And then he ended up starting to put in pressure on and You could see that he was trying to be a little bit more well-rounded. He was using takedowns. And uh, that was the thing about that fight. There's a lot of things in that fight that you that you might have not seen but they were all really effective. Like Dan was using his teeps, low kicks, trying to find his rhythm. But he did a good job of mixing in those takedowns. And in the first round, even though he didn't get some of those double leg takedowns, Jalen just having to defend it and respect it with just a little bit more wear on his gas tank. A little bit more wear in his gas tank. And I think where Dan really started to do really good is when he found his range. He would come inside with the clinch and start a dirty box. And I remember at the end of the first round, boom, he caught uh, Jalen a little bit underneath. Started hitting him with some tight uppercuts. Oh, man, it was great. And then in the second round, same thing. Jalen came out strong again, and then Dan just started to take over. He started to take over. He got hit with a big shot, came over the top with the right hand, and just went after it. What a second round. Ended up getting on top, almost finishing the round with a rear naked choke on Jalen Turner. So going into the third round, I thought for sure we were tied one apiece. 1-1 for Jalen and Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker ends up putting the pressure on him, drops him in the beginning of the third round, stays on top with ground and pound, just is all over him, almost finishes him like two or three times. So he ended up dropping him in the second round. He ends up dropping him again in the third round. And then the decision was taking a little bit long, and I got a little bit worried. I'm not going to lie. but And then the game, when they called the split decision, I was like, oh, my God, because Jalen Turner's last win was already a little bit uh, like, you know, he had gotten a weird decision. So then we were trying to see now on the coming up, and boom, when they gave him the split decision. But Dan Hooker took the victory by split decision. I definitely thought it was a unanimous decision, 2-1 to all day long. So shout out to the hangman, Dan Hooker, one of my dogs. Check out episode 90 of the podcast. If you would have heard that podcast and you would have saw the betting odds on the Dan Hooker fight, After listening to that podcast, I guarantee you, you would have put the house on Dan Hooker because he just had an energy about him all week. You can tell from our podcast that he's just like a different man. We talked about a lot of great stuff, man, having heart, the resilience of a long career, and, uh, man, shout-out to Dan Hooker. Nothing but love and respect for you, man. On to the next fight of the evening. We had, oh, this was a big one. We had a middleweight number one contender bout between our boy, Robert Whittaker, a longtime USC favorite, former champion against an up-and-comer, Dracus Duplessis. Now Duplessis came out. I'm not gonna lie, when the fight just first started, I thought Robert Whitaker was gonna run through Duplessis. Because Duplessis, I guess, has his weird style where he's like real quirky and ocky looking. I guess he has a little bit of badger in him, you know. But he has like this weird, quirky style. And uh one thing I did give to Duplessis is that I noticed at the weigh-ins, is he was Absolutely massive. Yo, his veins looked like some straight-up fire hoses, all right? My boy was looking jacked. He had them serious bodybuilding shoulders looking more shredded than John Rambo. So at the weigh-ins, when I saw him, I'm not going to lie, I was already thinking, all right, that's a big mofo right there. But Whitaker, Whitaker is usually so fast and so quick with it. Man, Whitaker is kind of like the Max Holloway of the 185 division, you know? If you're not named Robert Whitaker, if you're not named Israel Adesanya, Israel Adesanya, it's gonna be really hard to beat Robert Whitaker. This guy has been running through everybody, just keeping that division in line. So it was actually kind of refreshing. Duplessis ends up getting the TKO in the first round. Um ended up taking down Robert Whitaker. With, like, a weird head and arm throw. I was, like, super surprised. I was, like, yo, I haven't seen that shit since, like, you don't see that. I mean, he hit him with a takedown that you do, like, in kids' judo class when you first learn martial arts. So, that was crazy. That's just you could tell that he had, like, a real massive size advantage on Robert Whittaker. So, he took him down with his little head and arm. Had him on top for a second. And what Duplessis did really good that was pretty slick is... He mixed in his ground and pound with his Anaconda and Darce attacks. So he was shooting like the Dars and Anaconda on top. And then when Robert Whittaker would defend, he would start throwing elbows. Boom. Bah, ground and pound on top. So he gets the TKO. Round one. Surprises the whole world. Shuts up the whole arena. And sets up a big fight. A big fight in the middleweight division. So thank God that he did get the video, the, the win on Whittaker, a fight that Israel Adesanya has been talking about and kind of has been talked this fight, and he believes in manifesting, manifesting and stuff like this, and it's a fight that he feels that he manifested to come to reality because he wanted a new division. And he was already saying before that he hoped that Duplessis did win so he could be the man to take him out and put him out. So it's looking like it sets up a major super fight in the middle the division, we got Israel, the style better, Adesanya, ready to take out our man, a big up-and-comer in the game, Drakus Du They're looking to make that fight in Sydney in September. I saw Izzy in Vegas, and he looked at me in the eyes, and he said, make sure you're in Sydney. He's going to punish this man. So I cannot wait for that one. That's going to be a huge fight for the Australian fans in September. For I don't even know what UFC that's going to be. Then we go into our first co-man event of the evening. And I'm not going to lie, this is the fight that messed up my betting because I thought Moreno was going to take this fight. We had Brandon Moreno, the champion, flyweight UFC champion of the world versus the up-and-comer Brazilian Alex Pantoja. I'm not going to lie, when I saw Alex Pantoja hitting pads at the UFC PI, before the weigh-ins, he was looking so like low-energy and cutting weight. And the way he was hitting pads, I was like, oh, snap. I ain't going to lie. I thought Moreno was going to run through him. Especially with the tear that Moreno's been on. But, man, I feel like Alex Pantoja knew something that we didn't. He had already fought Moreno twice. He had submitted him once. And he had dominated him earlier in the UFC career. So, man, I just feel like sometimes when you got somebody's number, you got somebody's number. And I'm not going to lie. I didn't really know too much about Alex Pantoja before this fight. I hadn't really seen him fight too much. I remember seeing him in the ultimate fighter because he was in the same season with Kai and Brandon Moreno. But, man, he really impressed me and he really wanted me over with his fighting spirit and his tenacity. The way he was pushing forward. I mean, this guy, he left his defense in, in the cribbo. You know what I'm saying? He left his defense in Brazil. This guy just went straight, ran straight through Brandon Moreno, it was crazy, the pace he put on. Just coming in with the Terminator one twos, 2s bop, 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 It was crazy. And I'm not going to lie, in the first round, the way the pressure and pace that he put on Brandon Moreno in the first round, I was like, yo, there's no way this guy's going to keep this, be able to keep this up for five rounds. And then every round, he came off the cage, like he came off the corner looking super gas, and he just went for it again. And then he ended up getting taken down Moreno a bunch of times Getting the the body lock. Man, his, um, his one-two to the body lock and taking the back was like flawless. So Alex Pantoja, we got some new blood in the flyweight division. I don't know what Brandon Moreno does now because he's already lost to this guy twice. But he was the reigning defending champion. And usually the champion gets a rematch to get that title back. So we'll see what the UFC wants to do. What's good about Pantoja getting into the title fight, title picture now, is that our boy Kai Kawa-France, with a couple big wins, we can put himself right back in title contention and he'll get some fresh blood too, so definitely a winnable fight for Kai, we all know Kai has probably the hardest hitter in the UFC flyweight division right now, and with a couple little zigs where he could have zagged, I definitely thought he won his last fight, so we get him right back on it, and that's a really big fight for the future right there, maybe we get to put... Maybe they could put a Volkanovski versus Makachev or Volkanovski versus uh, the Spaniard. And they can have that fight with Kai Kara versus Pantoja as the co-main event. That would be a dream come true. So Alex Pantejo in the co-main event takes down the UFC flyweight title. Defeating Diego uh, Brandon Moreno for the third time solidifying himself, really won me over with his warrior, with his with his warrior spirit. I saw him came in there with all his kids in the middle of the cage after the fight, and uh, I don't know, that guy really won me over as a fan. So, big ups to Alex Pantoja. Now, coming in for the main event, we had Yair Rodriguez coming in, the interim featherweight champion. Just defeating Josh Emmett by submission. He was coming in versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky comes out in the first round right away. Establishing his distance. Working his feints. Switching stances. Ends up putting Yair Rodriguez against the fence in the end of the first round. Taking him down. Boom. Dropping him with his signature signature takedown that he does off the fence. Where he uses his outside leg and scoops it in. And man, you can see Yair's face change. Right after the first round when Volkanovski started throwing the ground and pound. You can see right away that Yair Rodriguez felt his power and he knew what he was in for. So round one, Volkanovski whitewashes. Round two, Volkanovski starts to set his pace again. Closing the distance, working his feints. He starts to rock Yair Rodriguez a little bit. Takes him down again. Finishes around just like he did round two. He just finished round two just like he finished round five. Big ground and pound on top. Bum, bum, bum. Gets up, and it's crazy because in between rounds, it looks like he's not even breathing. In between, in, between, in between rounds, he's sitting in his corner just talking to Big Joe and Eugene and Frank Hickman. Shout out to Craig Jones. All-star corner for Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. Coming into the third round, 2-0. Yeah hear his face is all beat up. He's looking defeated. He's breathing heavy. He throws a few more like last minute efforts, like a nice, he has a few nice blitzes, a couple of one twos, big high kicks. That's the thing with Yair Rodriguez that makes him so dangerous. You can be beating that guy the whole fight, just like Korean Zombie was for the last five minutes, and he's still super dangerous. He can catch one of those crazy elbows, one of those crazy flying kicks. So it's one of those hard fights to watch because even though you're there, we're there in the audience and like Volkanovski's doing his thing. Alex is smashing. He's hitting him with the ground and pound, getting his takedowns at will. But you still have this like, "Ah," like, yo, don't let this guy up, whatever you do. But man, Alexander Volkanovski at 34 years old shows why he's in the prime of his career. The hardest working guy in the division. One of the most interesting things about this fight is that he had so much respect and talked about how much respect and admiration he had for Yair Rodriguez's skill set that it made his training camp even more like he put even more into that fight, you know. Because of the respect and how new, how dangerous he knew Yair was, he was talking about how he really felt that this fight brought out the best in him. And you know what they say, right? Like when the, when you put a great man to the test, like the greater the obstacle the greater you can rise to the occasion. And that's exactly what Vulcanus, Volkanovsky did on Saturday night. Took out Yair Rodriguez. You know, now they have Ilya Teporia, okay? He's been running his mouth, saying that the that fight was boring, thinking he's going to knock out Volkanovski in one round. And, of course, being a Volkanovski fan, we're like, oh, this guy's just being delusional. But as a fighter, right, Like he, we, that's what you would want the number one contender to think, right? Like... If this guy didn't feel like he was going to win by first-round knockout, he's in the wrong sport, right? So that's a nice, interesting matchup we got coming up for Alexander Volkanovsky. After the fights came out, came up number one again in the pound-for-pound rankings as the most well-rounded champion in the UFC today. So big ups to Alex Volkanovsky, his coach Joe Lopez, Frank Hickman, Craig Jones, the all-star lineup, Eugene Behrman, the dream team. Vegas was amazing, guys. We appreciate you hanging in there. All right. If you haven't before, we had a big fight week. We had big Joe Lopez. The Joe Lopez video was a Skype one because I didn't even know we were going to go to Vegas. Vegas ended up being like a game time decision. I booked my ticket Monday afternoon once we got the podcast confirmed. So super grateful for the fans. And uh, stay tuned next week. We're going to have some more hitters. UFC 290. Who is next for Alexander Volkanovski? Does he fight Ilya Teporia, or does he go to lightweight to for his rematch to solidify himself as the UFC 155 pound champ against Islam Magachov? What do you guys want to see, Ilya Teporia, Islam Magachov? What do you think's next? For Alex Volkanovsky in the UFC. Hot take number two Elon Musk versus Mark Zuckerberg. Who do you guys got? In the battle of the ages, who wins? In the battle of tech giants, are you gonna be a meta guy? Are you gonna be a Facebook, Instagram guy? Or are you gonna be a Twitter guy? Meta, Twitter, censorship, freedom. Tesla, the metaverse, SpaceX, SpaceX, it's a hard one. You've seen, we got Elon Musk. He's been training with George St. Pierre, John Danahar, my boy Lex Freeman was training with him. Then on the other side, we got big Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg is getting it in with the pound for pound number one champion in the UFC, the featherweight goat, Alexander Volkanovsky. He's training with Israel, the style bender, Addisania, the middleweight GOAT, pound for pound, top greatest striker in UFC history. All right. And behind those two, you got the great Frank Hickman, wrestling extraordinaire. Craig Jones, the second best jiu-jitsu fighter of all time. I mean, the plot thickens, ladies and gentlemen. The Twitter versus Meta Ball is gonna be a good one. Logan Paul is saying he wants to be on the undercard. We were talking about this on the podcast with Volkanovsky the other day. Like, man, how crazy is it that you got the two tech billionaires in the world and they want to settle their differences in a fight? It's crazy how, I don't know, I always say this. Fighting is the purest form of expression, you know? It's the purest form of combat. There's just something hits different. When two guys battle it out and leave it all in the octagon, it just hits different than just some guy's throwing a ball or something like that, just when it comes to very primal, something we all love to see. Dana White has that famous saying that he always says, if there's a basketball game going on and a football game going on and a break fights out and a fight breaks out in the middle, everybody's going to focus on the fight. Everybody loves a fight. The question is, has Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg ever been punched in the face? Have they ever been punched in the face? That's the question we need to ask. Because sometimes you can train, you can have all the athletics, you can have all the skill, but in fighting, the most important thing is the corazón, is the heart. And I think you definitely need heart, like yo, to be as successful as successful as you are in Facebook and Twitter. You have to have that same characteristics and resilience that you're gonna have is the same as a successful martial artist. So. You definitely have heart. If you're able to get a business that hard, that to such a high standard, then you definitely have what it takes. Or you would think, we don't really know. I guess this is what the exciting part is. We're going to see if it translates. Because I always prided myself on having heart and being tenacious. And if these goddamn billionaires are also just as, have just as much heart, that's going to suck. <laughs> Anyways, I appreciate you all you guys. Make sure to like and subscribe. Alright, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on TikTok. Follow us on what else we got, Trev? Follow us on Facebook, Honey Badger Hour Podcasts. Alright, we got new merch dropping soon, boys. I'm still hungover. I left a piece of my soul in Vegas. I need Jesus. I need to go to church tonight. I need to get on stage, do some comedy. But we're back in the studio, guys. We got a lot of big moves coming. Ladies and gentlemen. Honey Badger Hour, episode 92, Las Vegas recap. Much love to you guys. Love you all. Love the fans. Check us out. We out of here.